streets paved with gold Lifted some stones, saw the skin and bones Of a city without a soul I stopped outside a church house Where the citizens like to sit They say they want the kingdom But they don't want God in it Yeah, I went with nothing Nothing but the thought of you I went wandering Live from the Mecca of Mormonism, Salt Lake City, Utah, this is Heart of the Matter, where Mormonism meets biblical Christianity face-to-face, -face, and I'm your host, Sean McCraney. Uh, whether you're watching on the NRB network, National NRB, Channel 378, or if you're listening on the radio, KUTR AM820, The Truth, we welcome you. If you have family or friends who can't watch Heart of the Matter on television, have them go to www.hotm.tv and they can watch it live streaming video from anywhere in the world. Uh, in our audience tonight, we have people from all over, people from California. We have Cassie and JR from Ephesians 2 Ministries out of Washington, the state of Washington. And uh, people who are visiting, summers are a great time because we get a great audience who are passing through and doing work here in the state as Christians. So it's grateful. It's great to have all of them. I was a born again Mormon available at www.bornagainmormon.com or where most reputable Christian bookstores are sold. Um, I usually give an announcement right here about the Bible study and it's usually pretty rote, but Derek, uh, my partner in ministry said, you know, you got to really explain what you're doing at those. And so let me just explain something. Calvary campus is a Bible study where um, on Sunday afternoons, either at Alpine Church or at the University of Utah, we gather together for an hour. We pray. Campus stands for a Christian Assemblies meeting to prayerfully understand Scripture. All denominations, uh, atheists, non-believers, questioners, seekers, everyone's welcome. And we sit and we, we have chalkboards in the round kind of almost, not in the round, but kind of in the half the round. And all the chairs are uh, there for like theater seating in a college, very nice room. And we go through the, ver the scripture verse by verse. We lay out the language. We tell the context. We have all kinds of references. And then afterward, usually, I don't even know who does this. People bring food. Last week it was Betty, and they bring food, and then everybody comes in, and they just kind of socialize after, and if they want to leave, they can. But it's a place to study the Word of God, which we were talking about is probably the most important thing, in addition to prayer, to uh, learning to know what God wants you to do in your life. So we welcome you to come anytime you want to Calvary Campus. You can, for more information, go to www.calvarycampus.com. While you're driving to one of these Bible studies, tune, tune in to AM820, The Truth, from 1 to 2 p.m. as it airs rebroadcasts of this very program, Heart of the Matter, KUTR AM820, The Truth, is an excellent radio uh, station, Christian radio station here in Utah, and we wholly endorse and support them. Uh, it's especially truthful on Sunday from 1 to 2 p.m., uh, hey, if you don't have our new address, grab a pencil and a paper if you're sending things to us at the old address. Our new mailing address is Aletheia Ministries, 4760 Highland Drive, number 515, Salt Lake City, Utah, 84117. Hold on to that pencil. You can record a couple other things that are coming up. Aletheia Ministries is growing, and we need your help managing this growth. Uh, many of you have asked us over the time, how can we help? Well, here's your chance on Saturday, Ju July uh, 10th, from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m., we are holding a volunteer meeting for Aletheia Ministries. Uh, there are things people can do from their home uh, that will take an hour a month, uh, and they can li even live out of state, or there are things you might sign up for that could eventually uh, become even a career. Uh, no pressure, but we're holding this meeting for people who want to help. Uh, Holiday Inn Express off 4500 South in the I-15, Saturday, July 10th uh, from 10 to 2. And uh, we will be serving lunch. If you have questions, call 
4686. And then coming on down the road September 4th, a Saturday, will be our fifth annual Burning Heart event, casual live music by none other than the great once LDS Christian band Adams Road, who just came out with a new album, I hear. Check them out on Facebook. Uh, there'll be food, games for kids, worship for all, come to Jesus uh, teaching by moi, and then we'll have top it all off with an open water baptism, uh, which turns out to be really quite a beautiful event. Uh, that's Bountiful City Park. We'll give you more information as that, but that's September 4th, a Saturday. Finally, people are wondering about the response of uh, airing nationally and how it's been? Well, first of all, we are late in the night on this program, early in the morning. It's the slot that we can afford, but it's exactly where the Lord wants us to be. Last week, we received one call from the first program, and it was from a man who joined the LDS Church in December, but was feeling very uncertain about the things they were teaching. Well, he came home from his late night shift and in the wee hours of the morning and turned on the TV, and there we were in all of our glory talking about Mormonism. And so he listened, and when I spoke with him later, he said he knew he had been misled, and he's going to go back to his roots as a kid, and that's a Christian church. So God works in mysterious ways and often late at night. We thank him and want to note that the second week of the national program, we received double the phone calls, too. So uh, with that, let's open up with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we love you and need you and seek you as we talk about your word tonight. Uh, open my mouth to say the things you want me to say and the things that aren't of you. Let it just evaporate uh, in people's minds and hearts. Bless our audience here, wherever they may be in the U.S., in the state, in the world. Help our volunteers, our staff, and uh, just the, the, the Christian church, Lord, to be able to withstand and offset the um, counterfeits that are out there and they're leading so many people astray. So help us to do our part in sharing your word with truth and love. In Jesus' name, amen. Last week, we presented part one on God, the Trinity. And I mentioned that there are four principles that would assist us in attempting to kind of understand the true and living God, one God of three persons. Then we spent the majority of the show last week talking about the first principle, which was the nature of God is beyond human comprehension. We reviewed that 1 Corinthians 2.14 says, but the natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him or her. Neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. We applied that to understanding who God was. It's really important to remind you that reading the Bible alone will not reveal the true nature of God nor will being born again alone reveal his nature. We must have both, eyes willing and able to see and hear, and ears willing and able uh, uh, to hear the truth. And so you can't just say, I'm born again, I'm going to understand the nature of God, and you can't be unborn again or not born again and read the Bible and think you're going to get it. It's going to take both to help open your eyes to see who he truly is. And when these factors are in place, our eyes open to the nature of the true and living God or the one God of three persons or what men have titled the Trinity. Tonight we are going to examine, one, the names of God to help us comprehend him, and two, the attributes of God. Next week we're going to cover uh, Jesus as God and finalize it with the, with the biblical passages the LDS used to show that the Trinity is not true. And we're going to answer what, those, what the responses are to those types of questions. So let's begin to validate the truth of the three-in-one God by looking at his name in the Bible. Whenever we read in a capital G, lowercase o-d, God in the English Old Testament, it's translated from the word, the Hebrew word, Elohim, okay? Capital G, lowercase o-d, that word is translated from Elohim. Elohim is a title for God, not a proper noun. And, and listen to this. It is a plural form of God. Uh, El, it's a plural form of El. El means God. And when you add I-M to A-E-L, uh, you get the plural, and it's a plural word, Elohim. 
and uh, just like adding an S in English, okay? El is a singular God, Elohim is a plural God. So whenever you read G, capital G, lowercase O-D in the Old Testament, it is a plural, Elohim, all right? Why plural? Because God is composed of three. Now understand Elohim is not God's proper name, as the LDS would have people errantly believe. But it is akin to the English word captain or general or king of something, all right? Judges can be called Elohim in scripture. We've used this example before, but you could say, as scary as it might be, Ozzy Osbourne and his band are the Elohim of rock. They are the plural, they are the gods of rock. Uh, whether you agree with that or not. Now, if we read G-O-D, all capitals, capital G, capital O, capital D, uh, translated from the English Old Testament, it's the Hebrew Y-H-W-H, all right? And that's four consonants, and we're not really sure of the vowel markings, but guess that it is pronounced Yahweh, and which we have Anglicanized somewhat awkwardly to say Ye Jehovah. Okay, Jehovah is not really a pronunciation that's correct. It's an Anglicanized form of Yahweh, and we don't even really know if Yahweh is correct, but the, the four consonants, it's a big word, it's called the Tetragrammaton, and anytime you see capital G, capital O, capital D in Scripture, it's God's proper noun name, my friends. Like, my name is Sean, his holy name is Y-H-W-H, -H, and this is a very sacred name. And uh, it's most sacred to the Jews. Now, whenever we read the word LORD, L-O-R-D, in all caps, too, we are reading the same Hebrew word for Yahweh, Y-H-W-H. -H. Got that? All capitals L-O-R-D and all capitals G-O-D are in the Hebrew Y-H-W-H, -H, which is the proper holy name of God himself. Now, the LDS maintain that the name Jehovah is actually the personal pronoun Old Testament name for Jesus Christ, and that the name Elohim is the personal pronoun name of God the Father. So it would be like if, if you look at the pictures of the LDS and they show God the Father in a body of flesh and bones and Jesus Christ standing next to him, they would call if God's the Father's name Elohim, like my name is Sean, and they would call Jesus' given name uh, uh, Jehovah. Okay, you got that. Um, perhaps the single most prominent verse in the Old Testament in the, about the makeup of God is found in Deuteronomy 6.4, and it's known to the Jews as the great Shema, and it reads, Hear, O Israel, the Lord, capital L-O-R-D, our God, capital G-O-D, is one Lord, capital L-O-R-D. A Christian would translate this from the Hebrew language, Hear, O Israel, the Yahweh, our Elohim is one Yahweh, okay? Ancient living text proof for the Trinity. The Yahweh, our plural Elohim for God, is one Yahweh, all right? But to the nonsensical LDS translation, the great Shema would actually read, Hear, O Israel, the Jesus, our heavenly Father, is one Jesus, it makes absolutely no sense. It's absurd. Go to the LDS temple and listen. God the Father appears and he's portrayed in a white beard with a body and he is called by the false name Elohim, which again is the plural of God. And Jesus is called Jehovah, which is literally uh, a made up name for the great and holy Yahweh. Um, there is total consistency in scripture in the Christian understanding of these names of God. From Old Testament through New, there is no inconsistency or, or a conflict. But there are great inconsistencies and great confusions in the LDS redefinition of these holy names. Last week we had a caller mention in the New Testament support for the oneness of God in Matthew. And it's in Matthew 28, 19. And Jesus, he has resurrected and he comes and he tells his disciples, quote, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them, it says, in the name, singular, of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. The singular name of three. One name of three. You see, when the councils at Nicaea and others got together, 
They did so because heresies were cropping up, like there was a heresy that Jesus is not God, okay? And they sought to take a biblical stance against these heresies by forming some Bible-based creeds. And when they came to passages like the Great Shema in Deuteronomy 6.4 and passages like Matthew 28.19, they concluded, just like every regenerated Christian uh, believer after studying the Bible will conclude, that God is one and that he consists of three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Speaking of three persons of God, did you know that all three in Scripture are referred to as Lord? Did you know that the Father, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit are all called God, capital G? How could Jesus be the Lord and God? How could the Holy Spirit be called Lord and God and the uh, Father be called Lord and God? And yet they be only one God. Only a Trinitarian explanation can answer that. Well, the LDS say, well, you know, they're one in purpose, Sean, one in purpose. They're three separate and distinct individuals, but they're one in purpose. Well, why do all the passages speak of God being of one and one only? Why do all the Jews and all the Muslims and all of Christianity stand wholly monotheistic, meaning only one God, and all the pagan and cultic religions become polytheistic? How come in his word he never describes himself as one in purpose? How come he never adds that? How come the great Shema, the Jews don't sing, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord in purpose. He <laughs> doesn't do that. He's one. One, no purpose stuff, LDS apostles, when you throw that in there. How come when we read in Deuteronomy 4.35, it says, The Lord, all caps, He is God, Elohim. There is none else beside Him. Singular, Him. Isaiah 43.10, Before me there is no God formed, neither shall be after me. How come in Isaiah 44.6, Thus saith the Lord, the King of Israel, and His Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first, I am the last, and beside me there is no God. How do we have those verses and we bring in what the LDS say? Sandra Tanner, utlm.org, sent me this quote from a BYU LDS professor today saying, Quote, all that God possesses in wisdom, knowledge, and power are his through the union of property among all exalted fathers. You know what that quote says? It says that heavenly father of the Mormon church gained all his wisdom, knowledge, and power through the union of property of all the gods. This is polytheism as, at its worst. It says, Harris suggests while God is progressing in knowledge, there is never a practical deficiency in his knowledge because of his immediate access to the experience and knowledge of all divine beings. This is a modern day BYU professor saying that God has access to the knowledge and experience of other div divine beings. That's where he gets his ability to be infallible. It's unbelievable. Um, another area that we ought to examine and search for the true single God of three persons is his biblically described attributes. In his book, The Forgotten Trinity, author James White writes, quote, when we speak of the Trinity, we are talking about one what, which is God, and three who's. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Bible scholar Norman Geisler said, quote, God is unity of essence with plurality of persons. Each person is different, yet they share a common nature. It's important to realize that these persons of God are not part God, okay? They don't make up one-third, one-third, one-third. White wrote, each fully shares in the one being that is God. The Father is not one-third of God, the Son one-third of God, the Holy Spirit one-third God. Each is fully God, co-equal with the others, and have been eternally. To get a better grasp of this one God ideal, let's take a look back before Jesus took on a body of flesh and bone. What was there? Did you know that God is not spoken of in the Old Testament as Father, except in three places is Father, the word Father ascribed to God, and in one of those places, it's a capital F, and it's speaking of Jesus in Isaiah, okay? When it says, Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, that's ascribed to the Messiah, and it's talking about Jesus there. 
Did you know that God in the Old Testament would constantly affirm over and over and over again that there is no other God before or after him? In only three passages, we read that father, okay? What was God before Jesus came to earth then? Okay, I'm going to use a very simplistic example. It doesn't do it justice, but it's based off Hebrews quoting Deuteronomy that says, our God is a consuming fire. So I want you to imagine this, and I'm going to see if I can do this without burning the station down. Uh, If we are to imagine the Old Testament concept of God, I think that we could look at a, a flame. He's a consuming fire. There was no Father, Son, Holy Spirit. This is Old Testament God, a fire, okay? Uh, God was one still eternally consisting of three persons, but represented here in a united single flame pre-Jesus coming and taking on a body of flesh. He appeared in a burning bush to Moses. He was the Shekinah glory of God to the children of Israel at night. He was not anthropomorphic, meaning he didn't have a body of flesh and bones, but a fire. Singular in deity, but equally consisting in three persons in this flame. Okay, so where did Jesus come from? In the Gospel of John, he takes us all the way back to the beginning, at the beginning of the Gospel, and he says in John 1.1, In the beginning was the Word, uh, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now, I want to stop for a second. You know when it says the word? That word in the Greek is the logos. It's not logos. It's the logos. And, and that word, it, it doesn't mean just a single word. The word logos in the Greek, it means of this flame that has been from the beginning, consisting of one flame of three parts, in that were ideas, concepts, dreams, schemes, vision, all eternality, All of the word of God, the mind of God, the heart of God, the the suke of God, all in that in the logos, in the logos, okay? And that logos, what what does he say? He says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And it says, all things were created by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. And then it says, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. Okay, and the word, verse 14, was made flesh. So let's just pretend that this is a body of flesh and bone, okay? And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. So this fire, this flame, coming from the very same flame, I hope I can do this. Uh, Sorry, Jesus. Uh, He, uh, Yeah, I just extinguished it. And of course, that's not how it works. Thank goodness I'm not in charge. I'm going to try just dropping it flat. Still no working. I should have rehearsed this, you know. But anyway, in this body, yeah, in this body, that fire filled Jesus, okay? And it's the same flame. Does it burn the same? Yeah. Did it come from the same source? Yes. Is it inside this body of flesh? Yes, it is. Does this body pray to the Father? Yes, he does. Are they separate? They're separate in person. Are they separate in their inner essence? No, they're exactly the same thing. They are one, okay? When Jesus was on the Mount of Transfiguration, he went up to this mountain and appeared to him, Moses and Elijah and and Peter, James and John looked up and guess what? The flesh kind of stepped aside there for a second. And what did they see? White light shining. It terrified them. They saw his real essence. When, when, uh, Jesus, when, Peter, when Philip came to, to Jesus and said, Jesus, show us the Father. What did Jesus said? Philip, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. That's what he said. You understand that? Okay. What was in Jesus? A third of God, a bit of God, literal son of God in training to become a God later? No, all God. Colossians 2.9 says this, for in him dwelled all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Okay, all of it. Same flame, same thing, all in that flesh of the Godhead bodily. All right, 
But in this state, being all man in flesh and all God in spirit, Jesus condescended below all things, and he was called the Son of God because he took on flesh. This is the first time, Old Testament, no Son of God. He took on flesh. He became the Son of God, and he prayed to the Father. He prayed to the Father because he was in flesh like us, but inside of him was God, okay? Now, what does Jesus say to the disciples in John 16 about the coming of the Holy Spirit? Do you remember? He says this, I tell you the truth, it is expedient for you that I go away. He says, because if I go away, if I go away not, the comforter won't come, meaning the Holy Spirit. But if I depart, he says, I will send him to you. So Jesus dies, he resurrects, and he leaves his body, and he goes back and he takes place on the right hand of the Father. This is the Shekinah glory of God the Father. He is a spirit, and on the right hand of him is Jesus. And it, it, it's in his body now. He's going to come back with it, so he's kept his body. Okay? And when he did that, did the Holy Spirit come? The Holy Spirit then came, not having a body, and I can light the Holy Spirit here. And now the Holy Spirit, and now we have the three. Okay? When did the Holy Spirit come? It came, was Jesus still existent? Yes. The Father still existent? Yes. The Holy Spirit, yeah, now on earth, over here doing his work, still doing his work, all right? And the Holy Spirit came when? In Acts chapter 2. And what, did it, what does it say how the Holy Spirit appeared? It said, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound of rushing wind, and it filled the house where they were sitting, and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as fire. And it laid on their head these firing flames. This is the Holy Spirit, and now it moves into us this Holy Spirit, and it lives this flame, and we have God in us. Does it make us uh, part of God? No. It just has God in us, and we operate through and by His Spirit. Are they all fire? All fire. Are they manifested in three places? Three places. Are they one? Together, what do they represent, either apart or not? They all represent fire. They all represent God, and if we were to extinguish Jesus, and we were to extinguish the Holy Spirit and bring Him right back to that flame— We'd have one God again, and we'd have the same essence of God. Now, I know it's an inferior example, but it, hopefully it will give you some idea of how God is both one and he's manifested in three persons. All right. Aside from these amateurish examples, John 5, 7 says, listen to this closely, for there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit, these three are one. It's indisputable. You think the men at Nicaea and the Athanasian uh, Creed, do you think they just made stuff up out of their head? Never. They went, they studied the word, and they wrote creeds that confirmed what the word said. In conclusion, did you know that the word further describes the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit as creating beings? Did you know that all three persons are assigned the attribute of omnipresence, meaning they are everywhere? Jesus is described, even though he has a body, as omnipresent. The Father, omnipresent. The Holy Spirit, omnipresent. Did you know that omniscience, knowing all, is assigned to all three persons of the Bible, and uh, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? Omniscience is an attribute of God only. Did you know, the, finally, the last though, omnipotence, that means all-powerful, is assigned in three different places to Father, to Son, to Holy Spirit. All attributes of God, co-equal, three in one. Did you know that the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit are described in the Word as truth? Separately, the Father is truth, the Son is truth, the Holy Spirit is truth eternality is ascribed to them. How about holiness? Let's end on holiness. Uh, it's two assigned to all three uh, persons of the one true God, but it's really interesting that Isaiah, when speaking of God, wrote, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Remember that the Lord here in that is the Yahweh, the personal holy name of one God of three persons, holy father, Holy Son, Holy Spirit. How do we know one God? Isaiah was certainly a monotheist. How do we know three persons? Holy, holy, holy. There are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit, and these three are one.
Next week, we're going to turn to studying the Messiah as God, and we'll look at the LDS use of the Bible and how they take it, and they say this proves that God is not one and give explanations for it. Let's open up the phone lines, 801-973-TV20, 801-973-8820. First-time callers, please turn your TV sets down, and listen, if you're watching on the NRB Network, Channel 378, Direct TV, do not call. You're watching a pre-recorded episode of Heart of the Matter. Let's run our spot for the Partners Program. We'll come back and take your calls. All right, grab a pencil. Just grab something to write with. Um, we have tried to do this spot several times. I don't even know what time of day it is anymore. I've been sitting here so long. And, but what we want to tell you is Heart of the Matter has been blessed greatly in trying to reach people with the message of Jesus Christ, especially those who are in the LDS Church. We contend for the faith each and every week for five years. We have hundreds of programs, and by the grace of God, the fruit has been plentiful, and we're seen all over the world. But this medium that we've chose, chosen called TV is very expensive, and we need you to help us stay on the air. So there are ways that you can do it, and we want you to partner with us. That's what we're asking you to do. So write this phone number down, 888-868-4686. You can also go online. You can go to www.hotm.tv. Or you can write us at Aletheia Ministries, 4760 Highland Drive, number 515, Salt Lake City, Utah, 84117. Again, let me give you that information. You can call us at 888-868-4686. You can sign up to be a partner by going online at hotm.tv. Or you can write us at Aletheia Ministries, 4760 Highland Drive, number 515, Salt Lake City, Utah, 84117. The Lord has taken this in spite of the host, in spite of the technical inability for me to get this partner's program down right. But we need you, and if he inclines your heart and you're interested, please contact us and help us keep the program on the air. God bless you. There's criticism online, of course, about our ministry, and one of the criticisms that is bannered around all the time, sometimes even by my Christian brothers and sisters, is that uh, what kind of ministry do we really have if my own family hasn't left uh, Mormonism? My wife and children's names were on the rolls until two weeks ago. So they all abandoned ship. Uh, and I'm really grateful to that, but I want you to know that that was their choice. They, I never ever said, even though we would talk about abandoning ship or, or anything, I never said you really need to do it. You know, I, I, we're talking about doing it. It's all a personal choice of everybody's. Freedom is very important to God, and I'm not going to run my home like a despot. So, and, and my wife and my kids decided it was time. And, and when it's time, they do it. So why worry about it and why criticize it even if they were still on them now? But they're off it, and I hope that matters. Now, on our show, we have people call, and our operators are able to take numbers. And they see the numbers from where the person is called from. And two weeks ago, we had someone call, and he was, he was a little aggressive, and he was a little... He said some things we didn't really like, but we kept him on, talked to him, and then he sent emails that were just absolutely vitriolic. They were horrible and threatening and very uh, profane. Well, he's on the line right now, and we usually don't want more than uh, first-time callers, but we're going to take him, and we call him Robbie the Psycho. So, Robbie, you're on the air. Yeah. What's up, Robbie? I'd like, like to make a personal apology. Oh, that's, that's good. What's happening? I'm sorry for sending you that evil me email message. You are? Yeah. How come? Well, because I realize I'm not being very Christ-like. All right. Well, I accept that completely. I as a Mormon, I'm supposed to be Christ-like. Yeah. Well, uh, and, Ro um, Robbie, we, we, uh, I accept your apology completely. Anything else we want to talk about? Yeah. Uh, so are the cops actually going to come after me? No, we're not coming after you. All right. All right, so did, is it a I deal? I with everything you say. Is uh, it? I, I still love you, but I don't agree with everything you say. That's okay. And sometimes I think you, you come on too strong. I do, I do. So, uh, and I agree with you. So I'll try to work on that, and I appreciate your apology, and we'll go from there. All right, thank you. Praise God. Thanks for calling. Bye-bye. And I'm sorry for calling him Robbie the Psycho. That, I'm really sorry, Robbie. All right. Uh, 
this, <laughs> I always get in more trouble. I just, Stephanie, a very young caller, says her grandpa is LDS and wants her to go to the Mormon church. She currently goes to a Christian church. Advice. Well, Stephanie, I don't know your living situation, uh, but if you're living with your grandparents and they're taking care of you and they want you to go to the Mormon church, maybe you can work out a deal where, you know, you can try to say, I really just want to go to the Christian church. But if I say, well, if you're living with us, we really want you to come with us. Uh, maybe you can say, can I go to both? And then just compare, just take notes. You just sit and you just take notes of what's said in the Mormon church and go to the Christian church and see what is said. And here's a little challenge for you, Stephanie, and I hope that's not the case, but just count how many times they talk about Jesus in your class and in your Maya maids and in the sacrament meeting. How many times they not mention his name in a prayer, how many times they actually talk about and, and, and quote him and use his words and teachings and then compare that with the Christian church you go to. And then you might be able to see for yourself why Christians are called Christians and Mormons are called Mormons. Okay, so we're going to, we're going to uh, Andrea in Amarillo, Texas, first time caller, and she's LDS. Andrea, you're on the air. Andrea? Hello. Hello, Andrea. This isn't Andrea. Who is this? This is Cletus. Cl Cletus? Cletus. How you doing, man? Hello, are you there? I'm there. You're on the air. Okay, I just, uh, I'm trying to understand the Trinity. Yeah. So, as I understand that, you've got three persons and one God, and you've got uh, indivisibility of substance. Did you call last week, Cletus? No. Are you sure? Yeah. You wouldn't lie, no, would you, my... Cletus? What's that? You wouldn't lie, would you? Me lie? You lie. Of course I'd lie. What? <laughs> I say, of course I would lie. See, you're lying now. Uh, no, I'm not lying now. I just, just let me ask you this question. Okay, we'll just ignore the fact that you're lying, but go ahead. Right. Ignore that I'm lying. So, <clears throat> let's just take one... So then that means with three persons and one God, so the three persons are jointly and severally God. Would that be a correct statement? That is that the yes. three jointly are God, and separately they are God. Yes, I guess we could say that according to Scripture. As far as my knowledge goes, yeah. Okay, so let's take the, the case when Jesus was on earth, when the, when the person of the Son came to earth in the form of Jesus, yeah. then that was God. Uh, in, yes, in his flesh he wasn't God, he was man. But in his essence, in his spirit, he was all God, yes. So that was God. So Jesus was God. Jesus is God, yes. Okay, Jesus, Jesus is God. And then at the same time then, the, the person of the Son was on the earth, which was God. Then we have the person of the Father and the person of the Holy Ghost in heaven, and that's God. Yes. So that sounds like two gods. It's, it's one times one times one, Cletus, not one plus one plus one. Well, if you've got uh, the person of God, the Father, and the person of the Holy Ghost in heaven, which is God... And you've got the person of the, of the Son this is the same guy. on earth, which is God. Then that sounds like two gods to me. <laughs> well, that's because you're adding, Cletus. You haven't learned multiplication yet. You, you, need to get, you need to go up another grade, and then you're going to learn the multiplication table, and you'll start to understand the Trinity better. So okay? If we, if we say that the persons are jointly and severally God then altogether the three are God. Separately, they are God too. Yeah. So if that's the case, then if the, if God the, fa if, if the Father appeared somewhere, that was God. Okay, if Cletus? At the same time the Son appeared Cletus? somewhere, that Cletus? is God. Cletus? That's three gods. Cleety! Cleet! Listen, man, we did this, we did this last week with you. <laughs> we, I hot, wait, Cletus, Cletus. Cletus, 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 Cleet, I hung up on you last week, and the operators yeah, told what? me you were still talking for like five minutes after, and hey, I think you've been talking hey, the whole God. week until you just called again. 
deal with my question. Cletus, I dealt with your question. I dealt with it perfectly. One hey, times one times hey, one equals hey, John, one. You're you're doing double talk now. It's straightforward, Cletus. <laughs> All right, my friend, what? we gotta let you go. Thanks for calling. Hey, Keep watching. John, let me ask I, you one other question. No, no more questions. Uh, my grandpa's been emailing you all the time, and you've rejected these emails. Why is that? Because we get about a hundred emails to two hundred emails it, a day. It, a it day. I, we have a staff that answers them, Cletus. Emails. What? What? His name is Doral Decker. Why don't why do you reject his emails? Why have you why don't you let his emails go through to you? Because Doral, if I remember right, from years back, is as boring as you are. <laughs> there we go. I had to do it. Lord forgive me, but he needs a little little something to get him to stop talking. All right. Let's go to uh, Charles in Hooper, Utah, first-time caller. Charles, you're on the air. What's your question? My question is, I want some statements to make first. Okay, make your statement. Um, in the Hebrew, the four letters for God was Y-H-V-H. Then there's no W and there's no J in uh, Hebrew alphabet. Thank you for that's your, you're right. I stand corrected. I did her terribly in Hebrew. Y H V H. V V as in victory. V is in victory. Okay. All right. We got that cleared up. What else? And uh, where it says there are three uh, that are witness, uh, that is not in the original Texas text. That part is not in there. But what my I do have some questions on the Trinity. In Matt. It, First of all, is the Word of God the truth or man? I believe the Word of God is the truth. Then how come Jesus himself, as God, you say, yeah. in Matthew 27, 43, yeah. says, I am the Son of God. They were talking about killing him because he claimed to be God. And he says, no, I didn't. He's denying being God and claimed to be the Son of God. No, no he didn't. No, he didn't. You're, you're reading into the text, uh, Charles. That is not true. In fact, when he talked to Pilate, Pilate well, said... You read the verse right now, 2743. Okay, says, be, are you saying because Jesus said he's the son of God, that meant he was saying he's not God? Yes, it is. It's this not, though, and that's the problem. You see, you got to understand to the Jews... For a man to say he's the son of God, that was the equivalent to saying he was God. That's why they picked up rocks to stone him for blasphemy. Because he because made himself, wait, wait, to quote the Jews, he made himself equal with God. That's what son of God meant. And remember, son of God, the phrase didn't exist in the Old Testament. It didn't exist until Jesus took on a body. And so he, was, he called himself the son of God. Okay, just imagine if we didn't use that title and Jesus just said, I am God. And then they see him praying. They would say, well, who are you praying to? Well, I'm praying to God. I thought you said you were God. Well, so he, they called himself the son of God because he was all man, all God. We are not well, going to solve know, that's, the Trinity that's tonight. What you're saying. But in John, the great book of John, yeah. the gospel, 669, Christ says, I am the son of of the living God. Yes. In, Ma in Matthew uh, 16, 16, Peter declared that he was the son of the living God. We the don't angels, have a dispute. The, let me finish, please. The angels declared it. John the Baptist declared it. His, even the apostles after the day of Pentecost believed Jesus to be the son of the living God. Not one disciple or Paul. He was the son of the living God. God. He was. Do you understand that I'm agreeing with you? Okay. God is not a God of confusion, sir. Are He's you not a God are, of confusion. So, so what you're saying, Charles, is you want to be able to have somebody explain God to you, the infinite, eternal God, to a man who I'm sure you can't understand trigonometry, and neither can I. And you want to understand the infinite and eternal makeup of well, God with your, wait, with your puny mind. But, and because you can't, what you say is, let me listen to the philosophies of men who will make it easier for me. And what the philosophies of men say is, there's many gods. 
It's called polytheism. You go go into the Christian churches today uh, and mention that you don't believe in the Trinity and hear the people that look at you and curse you and tell you you're damned and going to hell. Look, if someone looks at me and curses me and tells me I'm damned and going to hell, that's their problem. But if I go into a Christian church and I say, I deny the fact of one God of three parts, they should scream at me. Why? Because it's, it's, the, it's the truth. It's written in the word, which you aren't able to understand, what is, Charles. What does 1 John 5, 5 say? It doesn't matter. All, all these instances, you've got to understand, I'm sitting in front of a, a large Christian audience right now. They're all agreeing when you're saying, he's called the son of God. They're like, we know. But you he's know? not ever called God. He no was called ever, God. Excuse, wait, 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 excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. He was called God in several places. Let me give you one. Okay? Thomas. When he yeah, touched, God, wait, Thomas. My, Thomas yeah. said. Yeah, Thomas did when he, when he seen him. Thomas yeah. called him God and he didn't correct but it. understanding the Hebrews. And at that time, see, you're just you're just refusing. I gave you an example. You said he's never called God. I gave you an example, and now you're trying to twist away from it. I forgot. Okay, I'll tell you what. Let's just solve it this way. Let's solve it this way. You die believing he's not God. I'll die believing he's God, and let's see where we end up. Okay? So you're saying I'll go to hell? Case closed. I when they applaud, I hang up. I mean, that's all I'm out for. It's just them to applaud. I'm kidding. Uh, we have a thing. Cletus was the same guy last week. He lied last week and said he was from Florida. His name is Decker. So, you know, we got people who are calling to discuss the, the in honesty, supposed to discuss the ontology and makeup of God, and they lie. I mean, we, we are, this is what we deal with here. And, you know, lying comes in many forms. It comes in not telling the truth. It comes in withholding things. It comes in knocking on doors and saying, Hi, I'm from the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints with my companion. We, we want to share a message about Jesus. We believe we're saved by grace. Come and join our church. And then that's called a lie. Because you know in the end, they're going to be doing a whole bunch of stuff to save themselves. That's called a lie too. And the state kind of cut its teeth on lies. The lies of Joseph, the lies of Brigham Young. Endlessly. So let's be honest with each other at least, okay? Let's just be honest with what we believe. Rory in West Valley City, Utah, first time caller. Uh, here we go. Rory, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hi. Hi, Rory. Wondering about my little brother. I, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to get him to convert uh, to be from from being LDS to Christian, but I'm having a tough time. He gets suicidal. He gets suicidal? Yeah. Well, how come? Rory? Yeah? How come he gets suicidal? He has a hard time accepting the truth of the Bible. Huh. Well, you know, stay, make war on the floor and keep praying for your brother and sharing the word and don't back off on the truth and uh, do it in love. And, uh, and, and God is the one who's going to call him and, and free him from those chains, not you. So you just, you just exercise love and truth. Does that help you? Exercise love and truth. Exercise love and truth, Rory. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Gary wants to know the Christian view of laying on of hands for healing. Do they use oil? You know, it just depends on the group. Uh, there's differences. Some people will use oil. Some people will lay on of hands. Some people, uh, women will come in and lay on hands with men. Some people, men only. Uh, it just really depends on the denomination. Not a hill to die on, in my opinion. The hills to die on are the makeup of God, who Jesus is, how if the Bible is trusted, uh, if there was a resurrection, if we're saved by grace. Those are the hills to die on. In terms of those other things, don't know what they all do, but I know there's differences. Uh... Caller says, the older the LDS person, the harder the concept of God is for them. I absolutely uh, agree with that. Uh, Shelly's mother died in 2008. Is she in heaven? I'm sorry, Shelly, about your mom passing away. I don't know. I didn't know your mom. I don't, I don't know what your mom believed. But I wouldn't be uh, presumptuous enough to say she is in heaven or hell. Uh, either way, it's up to God. Okay. Um, 
Oh, another one. This is just being brought up on the screen just to let Cletus know. He said Jesus never said he was God. Uh, When he was talking to the Pharisees, it's like a culminating, uh, thematic, beautiful, dramatic moment. And Jesus culminates and says, before Abraham was, they said, our father is Abraham. He says, before Abraham was, I am the name of God from the Old Testament. And what did they do? What was their response? Picked up rocks to kill him. Another evidence of Jesus saying, look at me. I am God in the flesh. Uh, from Cheryl in, Cheryl in Santa Fe, New Mexico, I've noticed over the years that you, refrained, you have refrained from starting an official church. As a pastor, did you or would you, if you did, would you do anything different from the traditional Christian churches today? And just really quickly, I want to say, Personally, uh, we're not in that to start a church. We're in this to share the gospel and the Bible studies. But I have never personally understood this concept. And so if we ever did start a church, I would be sure that it went this way. I've never understood the concept where Christians will go and they'll say, God loves you unconditionally. He wants you. He, He wants you to be his. Come to him. Understand him. And 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 doesn't matter who you are come and, and, and join our church or, or at least attend our church and join our Bible studies. And um, so they employ this unconditional love. But then once people become Christians and they say, I've been changed, I've been born again, suddenly the unconditional love becomes very conditional. And suddenly the unconditional love has all kinds of expectations, uh, even cultural expectations that if they aren't met, uh, that person is essentially cast out. I mean, socially cast out, even within Christian communities. So if I was to ever start a church, it would be homosexuals come to the church, uh, lesbians, um, addicts to heroin, pornography users uh, come to church. And then they say, uh, they come to church and then a homosexual stands up and says, I've been saved. And I'll say, praise God. Let's just keep working with God through all your life's problems. Just like God works through me with my problems, even though I have been saved and go to the church. I have just never understood why we suddenly cast out. Now I understand violent people, but everybody else, if they're not a threat physically to somebody there, should be a welcomed into that hospital. So that's my take on on it. Uh, What exactly are you aiming at with your guests in 2000 shows? My dream list, I'm going to tell you right now. I probably shouldn't do this because it's going to get a lot of them to say no. This is what we hope to get. A rabbi from a temple, Will Bagley on Mountain Meadows, James White on the Creeds of Nicaea, Sandra Tanner on the First Vision, uh, Sutherland on DNA, Richard Packham on Atheism, uh, LDS Homosexual, who's a member of the church, Ann Wilder, a polygamous wife, Helen Radke on Baptisms for the Dead, Bill McKeever on his specialty, Greg Johnson to explain his ministry, uh, couples that have left the church, Grant Palmer, who wrote Insider's View, Todd Compton, who wrote In Sacred Loneliness, John Dellen on Being a Member, Richard Abanis on the Political Pull of Mormonism Today, Book of Mormon Answer Man, who's online saying unbelievable things that I'd like to hear him justify, Robert J. Lifton on Cults, Jan Ships, an outsider's view of Mormon origins. Tal Bachman, a Mormon atheist. Temple Square Nut, who screams at people and just drives people away from being a Christian. Chip Thompson on his expertise. A disabled woman named Chantel, who used to work for the church and her experience. Latane Scott on her books, Adam's Road, on a coming out and what they're doing now. Don Bradley on LDS history. Dan Vogel, if we can get him, on American Indians and the worldview of Joseph Smith. Joel Grote, IRR, uh, the church and the Spanish-speaking, how Mormonism is going after them. Ron Rhodes and the Mormon idea of priesthood. Rocky Hulse and the political ambitions of the church. Kurt Van Gordon on his area of expertise. Charlotte at Ex-Mormons for Jesus. Tom Murphy on the Book of Mormon. Alma Allred on defending the faith. A Mormon, uh, uh, I mean a Masonic temple president. Uh, uh, A group of ex-Mormons to share their experience. Daniel Peterson of BYU to defend his faith. Ron Lafferty, Dan Lafferty, Mark Hoffman to be interviewed at the uh, uh, Point of the Mountain Jail, including Mark Hacking, Julie Beck, Kirby, the guy who writes for the Salt Lake Trib, his humorous insights, Peggy Stack Fletcher, uh, George P. Lee, but I'm not sure he's still alive, so it's going to be difficult. Male polygamist to defend Joseph Smith's polygamy, a polygamous family, an LDS general authority to answer the hard questions, Bob Millett to explain himself, an LDS mission president, and Thomas S. Monson. That's who I want on 2011. We'll see if we get one of them. <laughs> I don't know yet. All right, uh, we've got callers. Hannah from Philadelphia, PA. 
online too. Hannah, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hello, Sean. How are you? Well, Hannah, how are you? I am very well, Sean. Hey, um, you had a caller earlier who um, was trying to correct your Hebrew, um, and then he went off uh, ripping you up about uh, the Trinity and everything. Yeah. Um, he is actually wrong and right at the same time about the Hebrew. Okay. Uh, there isn't a W, that, but there is a Vav, and the uh, letter that we all transcribe W by uh, convention is actually Vav, which is the V sound, but for some strange reason, when they transliterate it, they transliterate as as a W. So you were actually correct huh. um, on that score. On that uh, score, <laughs> yeah. Good, I'm glad to hear that. It, it, it's tough uh, when you start rambling on. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. Well, anyways, I just wanted to uh, c correct them on that. The other thing is um, keep up the good work, Sean, because you're really, you're really smoking them. Um, <laughs> Thanks, uh, Anna. Don't let the turkeys get you down. Um, so, uh, thank you so much for, for watching all the way out there in Philly, PA. Yep. God bless you. Take care. All right. You too. Okay. Bye-bye. Becky Rodriguez from Phoenix says, I am LDS and, and can attest to being healed by the power of the priesthood. How can you argue this? Well, first of all, if you were healed, Becky, it wasn't by the power of the priesthood. It was by God. Okay. Uh, it was by God himself, and God sends the rain on the just and the unjust, and uh, there's Mormons who are healed by people praying for them, and there's Mormons who are not healed by people praying for them, uh, so it's not that. However, I will add, if you were somehow healed by the power of the priesthood, it was probably the same power that Pharaoh's magicians turned sticks into snakes. So uh, you got one side or the other. It was either God who did it, or it was some power of this false priesthood that they use that healed you in a, in a very bad way. So uh, I, would, I would prefer to go with the first one, but it's not the power of the priesthood. It is um, God himself. An ex-LDS caller wants to know why the LDS spend all their money to build four temples in the Salt Lake Valley. I'm not sure they spend all their money, but they spend a lot. And they've dumbed down the, the expense model for building temples. It's really ingenious. These guys are smart businessmen. And what have they done? They've dumbed down the cost of these temples. They're still beautiful, but they're nothing like they used to be. Like in, in Newport Beach, California, they built one. And guess what? They got every single stake in that area from like a 15-mile radius. These are thousands and thousands of people. And they got them to get temple ready because they were building a, 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 a temple there in their community. What does temple ready mean? Pay your tithing. So all the while they're constructing this temple, everybody in that area is getting temple worthy, temple ready, and they start paying tithing. And it's a perfect business model. They know, put up a temple, we're gonna get more members who are inactive to suddenly become active because their kids are like tucking on their shirts saying, daddy, when, are you gonna go to the temple? How come you don't go to the new temple? And so daddy says, okay, I will. He goes into the bishop and he starts shelling out the bucks. It's a perfect business model. So that's why Hayden, 12 year old girl, or boy says, Jesus is God. I, how, what else can you say? Uh, we have a, uh, we had an email and we only have quickly, but when Jesus was on the earth, uh, someone came up to him and said, good master. And he said, why callest thou me good? There is none good but God. And the, and the writer said, why would Jesus say that if he was God? What Jesus was saying is, you're calling me good, all right? There's none good but God. Are you saying that I'm God? Do you understand that's who I am? He wasn't saying I'm not God. Jesus wasn't saying in false humility, I'm not good. He was just saying to the guy, you're calling me good master. Why do you call me good? There's none good but God. Do you realize that I am God? Okay, there's the answer to that question. Next week, we'll come back. We'll hit the LDS responses from the Bible of all this stuff. We'll see you next week here on Heart of the Matter. Good job. I'm gonna break. I'm gonna break my. I'm gonna break my rusty cage and run. I'm gonna break. I'm gonna break my. Gonna break my rusty cage and run. I'm gonna break.
break my, gonna break my rusty cage.